Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week, we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 97, Clowns. Yeah, I faced a big fear in this episode by making it. Uh, I am right there with you in the fear because you made me endure some things. And now we get to share those with our audience. I did. I'm so glad that I made us record that as you watched it. You'll see what we're talking about in just a few minutes, but um, I'm sorry. And also, I love you. Uh, You know who does not have a debilitating fear of clowns? Uh, Is it our new patrons, Sarah, Aim, Taylor, and Betty? Yes. And our supporting producer level patrons who make it a little like tickle down their spine when they see a clown, but uh, they can overcome it. Philip, Julie, Christina, Eeyore, Josie, Amara, Ella, Neil, Jessica, Maria, Ryan, Phil Fresh, and Deborah. You all can fight the evil clown that is clearly the main villain in Stephen King's It. Thanks as well to our legend-level patrons, Alyssa, Zoe, Cassie, Sarah, Sandra, Audra, Mercedes, Jack, and Leanne. Now, these legend-level patrons are going to be receiving a 20% off coupon to our brand new merch store when it opens in just two weeks. Everybody on October 17th that's pledging to our Patreon at the $4 tier and above are going to get that special coupon. We're not going to give that discount again. We are not going to give it after October 17th. So if you want to get in on it, you have two weeks left. And let's just say that merch is sweet. We've seen all of the mock-ups. They're all gorgeous. I am so excited to share it all with you. And we are posting a new hint about what the new items could be on our Patreon, public for everyone to look at. That's at patreon.com slash spirits podcast. So Amanda, do you remember the drink that I made us this episode? Uh, I remember it being orange, the color of horror. Yes, orange is the color of horror. Uh, It was called a killer clown cocktail. It featured, of all things, sour patch vodka, which I made myself. Uh, You did. It felt like refined college. Like, yes, we have Mm -hmm. been graduated for four years. And yes, we do steep candy with vodka. Yeah. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And when it's Halloween time, you use that candy to your advantage and you make it boozy. Uh, Jules, do you have a recommendation for me this week? What you've been watching? I do. Jake and I have been watching um, a Korean comedy slash drama called Oh My Ghost uh, on Netflix. It is wonderful. It is genuinely one of the best shows I've ever seen in my entire life. There are only like 13 episodes of it. They're all over an hour long, which is wonderful. Um, It is about a girl who can see ghosts who works at a restaurant with a like really famous chef and it's kind of in love with him. She gets possessed by a ghost who helps her make the chef fall in love with her. It's amazing. It's so good. I love it. Do you know what else I love? What? I love our sponsors for this episode. Whoa, you mean Calm and Audible? I do. I do mean those. Can you go to calm.com slash spirits for 25% off a Calm premium subscription? I'm pretty sure you can. Can you go to audible.com slash spirits or text spirits to 500-500 for a 30-day free trial and a free book? You absolutely can. I know that one. And can you come see Spirits live in Brooklyn on October 14th at Brooklyn Horror? Yes, it's so easy to do all of those things. What? Well, only easy if you live in or around Brooklyn. But you should come if you do those things. 
And I lost my momentum on the hype train here, but we also wanted to thank David Shields, one of our listeners, for sending us two bottles of beer that he brewed for his brother's wedding and some stickers and a beautiful card. They are so lovely. And if you want to send us any kind of gift, card, postcard from your travels, maybe some booze, maybe your favorite liqueur that's locally produced and we can't get here in New York City, I'm just giving you ideas. You can. (laughs) Our P.O. Box address is Multitude. P.O. Box 3241, Astoria, New York, 11103. That's also on our website, spiritspodcast.com, in the contact page. It's super easy to find, in case you don't want to rewind and hear our voice say it multiple times. You know, it's, it's really just up to you. But regardless, enjoy Spirits Podcast, Episode 97, Clowns. Clowns. So, Amanda. Yes. When I was four years old. Okay. I have a very distinct memory. Okay. Um, I remember coming downstairs kind of late one night and my dad was watching TV. Mm-hmm. He was watching a movie on TV. Yeah. Uh, and I distinctly remember watching a balloon on the screen pop, a man getting covered in blood, and mm-hmm. then a clown laughing and screaming. Julia, and we wonder why you are the way you are. <laughs> Which like, okay, in hindsight, I was a four-year-old and I probably shouldn't have been watching Stephen King's It. Yeah, but like, then would you be the person you are today? Maybe. Probably not. Maybe. But also, Tim Curry's terrifying in that series. Yeah, but have you seen it? Scars? No, babe. Oh, we're going to... Listeners, I'm going to have Amanda live pull up right now the trailer for Stephen King's It, the original, like, 1994 TV series, I want to say. Okay. Well, going to mute that volume because copyright. All right. Two minutes long. Kids walking through a, a thing. Very 90s. Okay, a library or a school, maybe. Got a black and white photo. Probably mm. those kids are dead now. <laughs> On a boxcar. Aw. All right. Too much childhood uh, idyllicness. Someone's going to die. Oh, someone's throwing a rock. Please don't do that. Oh, wait. I just realized I should have you watch the first scene. That's even better. All right. I have Googled Stephen King it opening scene. Okay. We have a cute little babe. Don't go downstairs, baby. That's where sad things are. <laughs> Uh, my grandma's basement was like this with like the unfinished stairs. And mm. also immediately when you open the basement door, just everything that's unchild safe, like cleaning supplies, nails, hammers, <laughs> wax in this case. Oh, is that what he has? Yes. Oh, no. Don't do that. Uh, so this is Georgie. He is the main character of the story, which is basically a Stephen King insert. That's his younger brother. Okay. So the baby has like a y- adorable Paddington style yellow raincoat on. He does. And this boy... Use some glue to what, like make him a paper hat or something? Or uh, it is a boat and Got he it. used uh, like liquid wax ah, to so that it doesn't, it's a, it's a paper boat. Cute. Because he's going to go outside and use the boat in the rain like you do when you're a child in the 60s. I mean, what else was there to do? Or 70s. I don't remember how <laughs> old these kids are supposed to be. This boy looks belagered. Oh, nice. That boat's, that boat's doing pretty well. Going down mm-hmm. a curb in the rain. I'm going to have you for the scene turn the volume on. Because you need to hear Tim Curry's horrifying thing. Uh, some very sharp piano music. Don't like this one bit. <laughs> oh, ducking under a barricade. Don't do that. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Not his boat. Going down a different barrier. Child. Oh, Georgie, no. Oh, down the storm drain. Oh, no. Does the, does the clown come from the storm drain? Oh, no. <gasps> oh, God. No. His eyes are so bloodshot. Mm. <gasps> a balloon! <laughs> yeah, Georgie, don't take stuff from strangers. I'm getting actually nervous. I'm not even watching this. I'm just watching you watch it. I'm just like, oh no. This is such a like classic clown. 
Also, the fact that he's a bald spot is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Oh, Georgie, don't reach in. Oh, no. It's just a boat. You can make a new one. Your brother had so much wax. So much wax. <laughs> I wonder how many hours of makeup Tim Curry had to do. It depends on which version of the makeup he's in. Because there's, there's two versions of uh, Pennywise. Man, this clown is saying this kid's name 15 times too many. <laughs> About right, yeah. They need you. Don't to know, reach. They need you to know Georgie's name very early on. <gasps> no! Fuck! Yeah. <laughs> that was a like yellowish dog teeth mouth. The kid dies? Yeah. Julia? Yeah. It's even worse in the remake because you watch him get his arm bitten off. Yikes. Yeah, it's bad. What, okay. What's the point of this? Because um, now picture Julia, four-year-old Julia. Yeah. Just watch that scene. Bad. Yeah, not good. Definitely Oof. not good. I like to think of myself as a rational person. Um, but probably one of my biggest irrational fears is clowns. That was why I had to watch that? Yes. So you understand why I have a fear of clowns. Okay. But actually, I'm not the only one, Amanda. Uh, according to a poll that Vox Media put out, more Americans are afraid of clowns than they are of climate change, terrorism, and death. Uh, Okay. Um, which is kind of fucked up, but like also I can't blame them. No, <laughs> I'm one of I those people. Yeah. From the poll, out of um, 2,000 Americans, 42% of those surveyed said that they were afraid of clowns, and people between 18 and 29 were the most freaked out of clowns, with one in three claiming that they suffered from cholerophobia, which is the irrational fear of clowns. I mean, it's not irrational if Tim Curry's going to come eat you from a storm drain. I know, right? Yeah. Jesus. I love Tim Curry. He's a fantastic actor. Yeah. I just, like, I'm a little bit afraid of him. Yeah. Just, yeah. like, normal Tim Curry now because of this movie. Yeah, the the shot with the teeth really did it for me. It's real bad. But I think in order to figure out how we got to this idea of the creepy clown, as I just made no. you watch, um, we need to understand the origin of the clown in general. Oh. Yes. That's this whole episode. It's just going to be clowns oh my hands are sweating already um okay. i'm going to establish that we know like several people who like do clowning as like a profession or like have studied and clowning. we really respect it it is an art it is an art it is very interesting we're not talking about well, theatrical clowning we are going to talk about theatrical clowning but i want to establish that theatrical clowning is different from creepy ass clowns that were just like are terrifying yes that's true okay cool establishing that off the bat both of us studied commedia dell'arte in high school as part of our theater training amanda I did do you remember anything about it uh well my first show i worked on was called scapino which is a that farce is about the uh, italian trickster character uh scapan and uh it was very fun and clowns were there for comedic relief and um there were some types that's about that's about all i got okay great we're gonna talk about those types all um right. Specifically, the clown as we know it now came from the Zani archetype uh, in Commedia dell'arte, uh, which is the servant slash trickster, which there's yes. many there's many different servants slash tricksters, such as Scapine. So we actually get the word uh, Zani from Zani. Ooh, which is didn't really know cool. that. Um, in turn, the Zani itself is derived from the, quote, rustic fool character in ancient Greek and Roman theater. All right. All right. They were defined by childish characteristics and the idea that they were often dressed in peasant clothing or else ill-fitting garments. Right, which is like the potato sack shirt that you see these folks wearing. Mm -hmm. The actual word clown didn't appear until 1560. And at that point, it meant rustic or peasant. Okay. And it may have come from the Scandinavian word for clumsy. We're not entirely sure. 
Yikes. I bet that came from a lettered individual in the higher ranks. Probably. <laughs> um, by 1600, the term was being used for fool or jester and even appeared in the works of Shakespeare, like Othello and The Winter's Tale. Yes. Actually, let's take a quick detour and talk about Shakespeare's clowns. I'm actually surprised that it uh, came about so recently. That would be like something that arose for the first time in like the 1920s or 30s being a like trademark of art being made today, which doesn't seem that wild. But looking back, it seems like the hist- like the past is the past, you know, once and forever. Mm-hmm. So it surprises me that Shakespeare was born the same century as like the word clown for Sorose. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Um, so talking about Shakespeare's clowns, Shakespeare tends to use Commedia dell'arte style uh, in that there are two types of clowns. Uh, there's the rustic country bumpkin or the professional fool. Yes. For example, uh, Costard in Love's Labor's Lost is funny because compared to the noble characters he's surrounded by, he doesn't have the same characteristics as everyone else. So right. he's specifically funny by his own terms. And not having the same social training yeah. as other people and like making like quote unquote like clumsy errors or or whatever that often is the basis for the humor right. or using crasser language or just being kind of I call that like sort of fish out of water character. Yes, absolutely. And then the professional fool tends to appear in tragedies, oh, such as Othello. Lear, yeah. Um, so they play servants or companions to kings. Um, they're often known for wordplay, insults, and are the tricksters and deceivers. Yes. Um, so they're the reality check of the show, mm. which is what the source I was using said that about them. And I'm like, I really like that. That's fucking true. Uh, they bring down the other serious characters to their level. Yes, they do. Like the whole scene with the the porter in Macbeth. I was just thinking about that where, mm. oh, here's a bunch of murders. Oh, nope. Here's a bunch of sex jokes from a guy who's drunk. Yep. And always it gives, one of those. gives the crowd a little bit of a moment to regroup. That's how our director characterized it anyway, mm-hmm. to kind of help the actors understand what they were doing um, and not just seem like completely random in the middle of the play. But it also is like deeply grim <laughs> when there is this like dramatic irony of a character, you know, being foolish or whatever, just funny. Uh, when there's something very serious going on that only the audience knows about. Yeah, and Shakespeare does that so well, yeah. honestly, especially utilizing like comedy to kind of, if it was just so grimdark all the time, Shakespeare wouldn't be as good as it is. Yeah. Yeah. So the next evolution of the clown is the Harlequinade, uh, which developed in England also in the 17th century. Mm-hmm. This was specifically a slapstick adaptation of Commedia dell'arte themes and focuses on five specific characters. Uh, the Harlequin, which is a traditional Zani type character. Interestingly, all of the characters in Harlequinade are some form of trickster character. Huh. I it's, mean, they're the best. Yeah. There's Columbine, who is the love interest and sometimes is basically the female version of the Harlequin. Okay. Um, there is the Pantaloon, which is the Columbine's greedy father who wants to separate the lovers. That I remember from Commedia dell'arte. Uh, the Pantaloon is assisted by the clown uh, and the servant Perro, uh, who pines after Columbine her, uh, himself. Right. Uh, Pero in particular is a really interesting archetype because he's the basis of sort of like the sad clown character that Mm -hmm. shows up later on. And I should say that I, uh, one of my uncles is a huge fan of Cirque du Soleil Mm -hmm. and has seen lots and lots and lots of their productions um, and taken Connor and me to a few as well. Uh, And they make really effective use of clowning, like, Mm -hmm. like beautiful uh, silent like pantomime style clowns they adapt them to different productions they kind of roam the audience like it's super effective i super super get it also the sad one creeps me out yeah i get it it's because it's they just look so sad and melancholy we're gonna talk about why clowns are creepy later 
that I have a whole section on the psychology of why clowns are creepy. Uh, just, let's just reap the bandit. Let's just do it. <laughs> so up until this point, the clown had only really been in plays, uh, even if they were comedies or slapstick like the Harlequinade. Um, but they extended to the circus clown during the 19th century. Uh, clowns were added to the modern circus because the circus originated as equestrian shows and owners wanted to keep their audience amused in between performances. Did not know that. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I'm actually reading a book right now called Highbrow Lowbrow. Did I mention this on Spirits already? I think you might have, but please continue. Yeah, I think I might mention it in a, in a pre-roll. It talks about how uh, Shakespeare was like entertainment for the people mm-hmm. early on. And like like in Boston, there were like 45 different productions happening one season or some crazy number like mm-hmm. that. But there was often a farcical type entertainment that happened between the acts of the show even yeah. um, to kind of like keep the populace entertained. And it was this kind of like increasing like quote unquote like I don't know, uh, cheapening of the like high A art that made people take Shakespeare back, like make intellectuals take Shakespeare back and say like, no, this is how you properly appreciate. This is how you properly, you know, act during a performance as an audience member and just kind of police people's like bodies and needs and entertainment. Um, So it sounds like this is kind of part of a similar trend where they're sort of taking like a a highbrow form and adding lowbrow entertainment, as it were, um, to keep the audience there and paying but i mean i think comedia dell'arte has always been like lowbrow comedy for sure like like working people comedy yeah Yeah. and like the harlequinade was slapstick so that's like very much like the punch and judy kind of style yeah um and then even shakespeare like you just said was lowbrow and the fact that people are trying to claim it back so many dick jokes so many clowns were added to the modern circus uh the clown as we know it was developed by a man named tom belling who created the red clown or as he called him august okay he was identifiable by his quote lower class persona this is a common trait that we keep seeing with the formation of the clown yeah um he had a red nose white makeup around the eyes and mouth oversized clothes and specifically oversized shoes mm-hmm. uh from here we get the infamous bozo the clown yeah do you know anything about bozo the clown no only that he was the uh basis for a character on the simpsons that my dad really loved and okay. i found very sad and creepy yeah that's about right um so bozo was actually one of the first results of franchising in early television mm. um which is why his imagery is so pervasive in our collective memory as a country uh he was originally created by alan livingston as part of a children's storytelling record album and like read-along book series right so you buy the album you also read along oh, with yeah. the book nice. so, but after that he appeared on us tv for the first time in 1949 Uh, He was well known for his blue and red costume, oversized red hair, and white clown makeup. Based on Bozo's popularity, we get the dreaded birthday clown here in the United States. Uh From here, Amanda, we're going to transition into the evil clown stuff. I'm nervous. Um, But first, I really, really am going to need a refill. (laughs) Let's do it. Amanda, after all this really creepy clown talk, do you know what I need more than anything right now? Do you need to just like chill the fuck out for one second in this world? Yes, please. Do you have a suggestion for how to do that? I do. It's one of our sponsors this week, Calm. 
Now, Calm is an app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. It is genuinely good, everybody. It is so well done. It has soothing sounds. You can like listen to rain or birds or the sound of a rainforest while you're working. It has sleep stories where people with beautiful Scottish accents tell you a beautiful story, but it's like they're singing you a lullaby to sleep because I fall. Actually, I should listen to the same one over and over several nights in a row because I fall asleep halfway through and I want to hear the end. But <laughs> Calm is the best way to be mindful, to learn to meditate, to get some help going to sleep. And I don't know about y'all, but if you are anything like Julia and me, that sounds like something you really need right now. Yeah. Uh, and if you head to calm.com slash spirits, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of premium programs, including guided meditations to help anxiety, stress, focus, and relationships, uh, sleep stories like Amanda mentioned, and so much more. We really love Calm, and we think you will too. So head over to calm, C-A-L-M dot com slash spirits. That is calm, C-A-L-M dot com slash spirits. One of the best ways to ignore the scary realities around you is by reading a book. And uh, when it is dark and you're under your covers and you don't have a flashlight or your mom told you it's lights out, you can listen to an audiobook instead. Or if you decide you don't want to sleep that night, you can listen to Stephen King's It on Audible. Yeah, maybe you have been cursed by a witch where if you fall asleep, a monster will get you in your nightmares. You, you're describing uh, Freddy Krueger. Yeah. And Nightmare on Elm Street. Aren't you so proud? There, there's no witch in that, but I'm proud of you anyway. Okay. Well, in any case, if you want to scare yourself, and listen, as human beings, we love scaring ourselves. It's just one of our primal things. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to die. No, I'm not. That's the best feeling. Um, Julia, tell me about it. What is it all about? It is a story about a clown. Uh, well, he's Ish? not just a clown. Uh-oh. Basically, his clown is how he lures children. And then he transforms into their worst fear because basically, and I'm I'm, uh, not exactly quoting, but um, fear makes children taste better. Uh, Groundbreaking. And so a group of kids uh, called the Losers Club, they decide they're going to kill it. Okay. Because it comes around every 30 years or so or whatever. And then uh, decides, hey, hey, I'm going to eat some kids for like a year and then I'm going to go back to sleep. And like, that's fair. It. Like, you do you, power nap. (laughs) And so the kids defeat it, but they don't kill it. And then they have to come back to their hometown after 30 years to destroy it once for all. But That's a pretty interesting premise. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Well, I may actually be tempted now to sign up for a free trial on Audible and listen to this audiobook. I think you totally should. Listeners, if you want to suffer along with me, and let's be honest, I think you do. Go to audible.com slash spirits or text spirits to 500-500 to start a free 30-day trial, which includes a free book. And that free book could be it. Could be sunshine and puppy dogs and get you something that isn't horrifying for October. But, you know, this is what we like to do. Uh, And I highly recommend it because it is a long audiobook. It is a long book. It is a long audiobook. And you will definitely get your money's worth. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That is at audible.com slash spirits. Or text spirits to 500 500. We love Audible. Thank you for being a sponsor. And if y'all want to support the show, this is a great way to go sign up and find a new audiobook of your own. And now let's get back to the story. Oh, if we have to. All right, Amanda. Yeah. Creepy clowns. Okay. Let's just try and do this, okay? Listen, I have a drink in hand and I can do pretty much anything with some spiked mulled cider. That's completely fair. So, where did the evil clown character come from? And 
this is a highly debated topic on the internet. Really? Yeah. Huh. You know, people love creepypastas and scary things and this stuff like true. that. So figuring out where the creepy clown originated is kind of interesting. One of the first examples uh, that is often cited is Edgar Allan Poe's Hop Frog. Do you know that one? I know you know no. a little bit of Poe. Didn't read that one. Um, so it's about a court jester who is abused by the king he serves, who, quote, seemed to only live for joking and abused the jester for his own amusement. In revenge, the jester dresses the king and his cabinet in costumes saturated in tar and covered in flax for a masquerade, and then lights them on fire and burns them to death. Yikes. Additionally, Leon Cavallo's uh, Pagliacci is an opera that features a murderous clown, and it ends in several deaths before the final line, which is, La Commedia è finita, which is, the comedy is finished. I uh, very much appreciate that, blood-soaked narrator man. <laughs> um, in La Femme de Tabarine, um, a clown murders his cheating wife on stage, and as she lays dying, she smears her husband's lips with her own blood. Makes sense, makes giving sense, the makes clown sense. appearance. Yep. So there's a couple of early, early examples <laughs> for you. The modern evil clown seems to make its first appearance in, of all places, National Lampoon with Frenchie the Clown. Huh. Uh, the character was created by Nick Bacay and illustrated by Alan Kupperberg. Not only was Frenchie evil and bitter because, by the way, the creator said that he was, quote, ever so slightly embittered and pissed off at the world. Uh, it is also said that the character, quote, had a way with the ladies. And there are several instances where the character is implied to sexually assault women. Great. Thank you, Nash Lampoon. A truly evil clown. Um, so actually, the Frenchie the Clown strips were so bad that the magazine's lawyers actually refused to publish several of the strips that were submitted. And it's my understanding that National Lampoon is like an edgy comedy magazine. Yeah, so it like, says something that that would be objectionable even to the counsel for the magazine. I mean, National Lampoon is infamous for its movie series that featured Chevy Chase pretty heavily. So that I think that's something. Yeah. yeah. So another theory as to why the evil clown emerged is because of John Wayne Gacy. Do you know who John Wayne Gacy is? I do. Okay, good. I like murders. Good. Uh, I will I describe it. I don't it. like murder. I mean, well, you know yeah, I, mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> I will describe it to our listeners in case they don't know who John Wayne Gacy is. Gacy was a serial killer who murdered at least 33 teenage boys or young men between 1972 and 1978 in the Chicago area. Uh, he infamously buried several of his victims in the crawl space of its home or somewhere on his property. Uh, he is also infamously known as the Clown Killer because Gacy was a goddamn party clown. He was. I should note that he never did his murders in his clown costume as far as anyone can tell, but... You know, I just, I still don't trust it. Mm -hmm. He was part of a group called the Jolly Joker Clown Club, which was a group that dressed as clowns and performed at fundraising events and parades and sometimes at children's hospitals. Yikes. Uh, he went by Pogo the Clown and later Patches the Clown and created his own costumes and taught himself how to do the makeup. Um, one of the more notable things about Gacy's costume is that unlike the rounded mouth makeup that most clowns do in order to not scare the children, Gacy would do his makeup with sharp points. Yikes. Um, Gacy, after arrested, would state that acting as a clown allowed him to regress into childhood, which, God, there are better ways of doing that, my dude. Listen, if, if a big part of your life revolves around how to find more people to murder, 
mm, you know yeah not think, great we got some things to work through i would like you to google search john wayne gacy clown please so you oh, can see how line. creepy it is oh no oh he made paintings of clowns oh even fucking better yikes the, the super no. sharp mouth yeah yeah it's bad oof then there was Stephen King's It, which we've already discussed, really. Um, in the novel, It is the monster that feeds mostly on children by luring them uh, with the form of Pennywise, the dancing clown, which you saw. I did. Um, it chooses a form that would scare the children um, the most uh, because according to the monster, fear makes children more delicious. So, you know, all good things. It's a it's a it's a very good line, you know? I mean, yeah, it's yeah. I think he's more detailed in the book and the movie, but he basically describes it as like aging meat. Yeah. Like it makes it more It's yummy. horrifying, but it's, it's horrifying, I mean, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. But like it, it, meat consumption can be horrifying at times. I am a carnivore. I will eat whatever you put in front of me, but like the idea of like what we do to meat to make it more delicious is a little scary sometimes yeah this cultural fear has led to several weird urban legends and phenomenon uh that now that the internet exists um just perpetuate fear through sensationalizing stories about clowns or else starting urban legends about them for example uh there was a woman named marlene warren who was murdered in florida in 1990 okay uh, her doorbell rang and when she opened the door a clown was on her doorstep with flowers and balloons nope uh, a moment later, the clown shot her in the face and fled in a Chrysler LeBaron. Uh-uh. Nuh-uh. Uh, no, please. War- Warren died two days later, and her murder remained unsolved literally until last year. What the hell, man? Uh, where they arrested a woman who apparently was having an affair with Warren's husband at the time, and then Yikes. married him after Warren died. Oof. Yeah. That's just like, I mean, I get it from a disguise point of view, and also I, I suppose walking around the neighborhood, you're not going to look conspicuous. Mm-hmm. But like, damn. But that's like, that's a thing that people used to do. They used to hire people like, like singing telegrams. Yeah. People to true. show up with costumes. Yeah. At your doorstep. With I like, guess like jib jab e-cards, you know, made that uh, no longer oh, necessary thank for God. us. I would never answer God, my door no. if I saw a fucking clown God, no. on my doorstep. I had a discussion with my partner very early on. Like, I don't like surprises, man. Nope. If you want to do a surprise, run it by Julia. If she says no, don't do a surprise. That's fair. That is true. And then there are the phantom clown sightings uh, <laughs> that have been happening since 1981. No! Phantom clown no! sightings since no! 1981. No! no! The first sighting was in Brookline, Massachusetts, where children said a that- creepy place, let me just say. Have you been to Brookline, Massachusetts? Yeah, a bunch of haunted fucking houses, y'all. All right, whatever. Um, children uh, said that a man dressed up like a clown tried to lure them into a van. Nuh-uh. Um, this being, danger, especially when clowns. <laughs> this being the 80s obviously led to a panic with sightings throughout the Midwest and Northeast. Uh, it spread over the next 30 years with um, sightings in Phoenix, Arizona, all the way to New Jersey and even Honduras. Good God. Um, I should note that no police officer has ever seen any of the evil clowns. That would be too easy, Julia. I know. Come on. But several police departments have said that they've investigated the reports. And I guess no. And not much. No dice. No. Yeah. She's like, oh, the kids said they saw a creepy clown. We didn't see a creepy clown. Case closed. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about it. Bloop. There is one confirmed evil clown. And I put confirmed in quotes here. Okay. Known as the Northampton Clown who became an internet sensation because he would stand motionless in Northampton streets in England since 2013. <laughs> Just like dressed as a clown being creepy. <laughs> oh, that's very good. There was a whole spat 
of evil clown sightings in 2016, as you might remember. Do you remember the evil clown sightings? I might have blocked it out. What was Uh, this all about? That's fair. The first of these sightings supposedly occurred in August in South Carolina when a nine-year-old told his mother that two men dressed as a clown tried to lure him into the woods. Yikes. Uh, By mid-October, clown sightings and attacks had been reported in nearly every state of the United States, in nine out of 13 provinces in Canada, and 18 other countries. I guess copycat? Yeah. Wow. The internet makes it so that like these people be like i saw a creepy clown somewhere and then everyone's like well we also saw creepy clowns or people go out and they dress like creepy. yeah well it primes the other the you know uh witnesses to see them and it unfortunately probably gives ideas to people who want to sow discord and mayhem at best and commit crimes at worst yeah a lot of these were just people pulling pranks but there were some people that took it very seriously uh for example the russian embassy in london issued a warning for russian and british citizens because of the clown scare man embassy warnings are very serious but sometimes they're also very good yeah um a bunch of news outlets reported ridiculous stories about how there was going to be a clown initiated attack purge style Oh, um, no. On October of 2016, October 31st of 2016. Yeah. That was mostly bullshit. Uh-huh. But there was an attack that happened in Orange County where a man and his family were attacked on Halloween by 20 people wearing clown masks. Oh, God. Like, just beat them up. Did they find, like, links to enemies this person may have had or? Random? Nothing ever got tracked down. These Oof. people went to the hospital, but that was it. That's fucked up. Yeah. I know. Don't use Halloween as an excuse to commit crimes. No, commit it's small dumb. crimes. Small crimes. Small Be gay crimes. Do crimes. Be gay and do small crimes. Otherwise, don't. <laughs> or crime. white collar crimes. Not anything that would like hurt a person. <laughs> do like a yeah, like a like a victimless, a victimless like, white collar keep the system crime. That's the kind of crime that I don't endorse, Your Honor. But you know, would enjoy reading about maybe. I'm not encouraging you to scam banks out of money, but they are insured. (laughs) (laughs) Taxpayers fund the FDIC. Yeah. But yeah. Where really does this phenomenon of clown fear come from? Do you have any guess? Uh, I think that the exaggerated features don't help. Okay. Like red and white. I think there's something that's like confirmed and biological that the color red, we are primed to act toward aggressively or to view as a threat. Um, Red berries are often poisonous, stuff like that. And so I think that that might be just some like subliminal messaging of like an exaggerated face. My masks are scary. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, I mean, as adults, you know, looking back, some of childhood is creepy. And there's just something about that link between like a childhood uh, figure that I am like, already 85% willing to believe anything from my childhood is probably creepy now. Yeah. You know? No, that's 100%. You're pretty on the head there. Um, So we'll take our first theory uh, from Wolfgang Zucker, uh, who points out the fact that a clown's appearance is similar to modern cultural depictions of demons. That's true. Saying that the clown's chalk white face in which the eyes almost disappear while the mouth is enlarged to a ghoulish bigness, looks like a mask of death. Yeah. You're right, Wolfgang? Yeah. Pretty pretty solid. Yeah, like walk around any museum, look at death masks, look at ceremonial masks. Like this is a, a, a thing that our eyes know how to categorize. Yeah, but maybe not as a child. Uh, so Professor Joseph Derwin states that the fear of clowns develops early on, that young children, quote, 
are very reactive to familiar body type with unfamiliar face. Yes. Uh, and that there is a correlation to the uncanny valley effect when it comes to fear of clowns. Huh. Psychologists also point out that people tend to not like clowns because the paint does not allow a person to see their real expressions. Yeah. That's true. Uh, additionally, a clown's actions do not align with societal standards of normal, which can activate a fight or flight reaction in children. Yeah, yeah. Like if you see a like goofy guy just dancing around, you're like, I've never seen anyone do this before. He needs to stop. This is not okay. Julia just did the car dealership noodle man dance, and it was very terrifying. No, no, please stop. <laughs> Why is my noodle dance terrifying? It's because it we're goes talking against societal clowns? expectations of what what's normative for bodies. That's fair. That's fair. In particular, clowns are psychologically frightening because they hide their faces. Uh, this is called de-individuation, which is a state in which one's identity is hidden, and as such, they no longer act like themselves. Which makes sense when you consider its origins, right? Like as a figure that is supposed to be depicting a general concept, not like a person with motives or a character with motives, but an archetype. Exactly. Um, that was one of the most fascinating things that I learned about in our theater program. Um, the fact that like it was really around like Freudian, um, you know, concepts mm -hmm. and the kind of rise of the novel that characters started being a thing we cared about and mm -hmm. wanted to read about. Before that, it was all about known figures doing tales that we probably knew already, like folk tales or archetypes, like in the Commedia dell'arte. Right. So uh, it's you know by design that a clown is meant to be like a figure and not a, a character. Yeah. But that's also to people growing up now not a thing that we expect whatsoever. Yeah. And the really interesting part is in psychology, uh, de-individuation, when a person sees themselves as a different person, they hold themselves to different standards. And morally, this often results in personality changes, usually for the worse. Wow. And in a state of de-individuation, human beings act their worst. For example, an executioner wears a mask anonymous hate on the internet yeah uh even famous slasher films we're talking about that kind of archetype where they they are hiding their faces in order to commit these heinous acts yeah and they become exactly a figure or something other and not you know a person tied to a background tied to a moral code tied to consequences right and i think that's jake and i made you sit down last halloween and watch halloween with us yes and as you can recall like young michael myers puts on that mask and kills people yeah and then he goes to the prison for very or the the asylum or the prison or whatever version we're watching um and he for about 18 years or so doesn't do a murder but the minute he starts doing the murder again it's because he has that mask back on yeah and so it's this idea that they're not just becoming they're not just hiding their face because they're committing crimes they're hiding their face because they're putting on a mask that makes them the killer yeah, or gives them that excuse to uh, enable that part of them. Sure. But I don't know. I mean, that, that really hits home for me. Like, I, I experience in my depression sometimes, like, depersonalization, which mm -hmm. is this effect where you sometimes feel removed from yourself, from your personality, from, you know, like who am I? Like, who made the choices for me to end up here? Like, what do I believe? What do I like? It's it's easy to lose touch with kind of those core aspects of your personality. Um, so for me, what helps is like listening to my podcasts, frankly, you know, and like watching my video blogs, um, which sounds kind of dumb to uh, speak about, but it does help me to just remind me that, you know, this feeling will pass and that there are things in my life that I've chosen for myself that I know I enjoy. And even though I don't enjoy them right now, I will at some point. Um, so 
this is like an extreme version of that. And reading about people who, you know, suffer from extreme psychological or personality disorders where they get, you know, these effects where they completely forget their old life or extreme personality changes. Like it is terrifying for me in a way that clowns are for some people because just tasting a little bit of that effect, I know how scary even that is. Yeah, I I completely agree. And this idea that you can become separate, like from who you are and like potentially commit these heinous acts is why the clown and the clown makeup is so scary because they don't they don't feel like people anymore. Yeah. Or they feel like people who are capable of something much, much worse than like I could ever commit. Yeah. Especially the physical comedy, like falling down and getting back up again. Yeah. You know, at a certain point, bodies don't do that. Yeah. And it is, it is odd now that I think about it, it makes perfect sense that watching someone do like a pratfall, you know, that would make a, a living body probably stay down or get back up and stagger mm-hmm. forth, um, just kind of bounce back. It is unnatural in a way that makes my body go like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Yeah. Or like when you, one of my favorite scenes in Scapino is he rides a bike off stage and all of a sudden you hear crashing noises. I'm like, oh no, I would, there would be broken arms and legs if yes. that was me. Yeah. Um, And he just walks back on stage totally fine. I'm like, yeah, no. That's part of the character too, is yeah, like yeah. bouncing back from situations that he shouldn't be able to, like getting himself into impossible scrapes and then coming back out, not just physically, but also like, you know, serving two masters or being in love with two women or whatever the the situation is. And if you tie that to the horror movie trope, constantly in horror movies, we see, oh, the the killer's been defeated. And you see him like, for example, Mike Myers out of the window on the ground, clearly dead. And they look away for a second and then they look back and he's gone. Yep. Be like, oh, no, that is no, not what I want. Or even when we talked about uh, Stephen King's It, it is hurt, but it's not killed, and they have to come back and kill it. Or, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and name a horror movie, is it the opening scene of Scream with the white mask where the lady's on a phone, the babysitter? Drew like, Barrymore. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, but that brings to mind, too, the kind of like the, the fundamental premise of the horror movie is like the violation of the of the social contract mm-hmm. and the violation of, of private space and then ultimately of the self. And so that also is a thing that you're an impossible situation, right? Like it seems as if, okay, I have a house, I have an alarm, I have a phone, you know, I, I'm doing all the good things that society tells me to do and bad things shouldn't happen to me. But that is the premise of the movie is sometimes they do. And sometimes, you know, the the life looks impenetrable and yet something bad happens anyway. So, And yeah. it's so interesting that you picked Scream for that example because um, Scream really is a commentary on the horror film up to that point uh, and the idea that um, the horror movie there are certain societal contracts in a horror movie so it's like if you have sex you'll die yeah if you are the virgin you will make it to the end and the interesting part about scream is that it fucks with those standards that are set by horror movies oh yeah and it's like oh well you you did run upstairs so you do we do have to kill you now or something like that (laughs) uh it's really really interesting that you picked that one as an example too i really enjoy that regardless of why we hate clowns evil clowns are a pretty universal thing now uh there's about 50 different just evil clown movies that have existed since the 1980s wow uh some of the greatest villains and antagonists in pop culture are evil clowns uh the joker from batman pennywise the dancing clown zebo the clown from are you afraid of the dark do you remember Zebo the Clown. 
Oh, no, I think I do. Yeah, no, it's not good. <gasps> Sweet Tooth from Twisted Metal, the video game. There was even an evil clown wrestler in the 90s called Doink the Clown. Not surprised. You shouldn't be. There's an evil dentist character in wrestling. <laughs> so. Uh, so we are going to keep being afraid of clowns for the foreseeable future with no indication of it slowing down. If anything, it's probably going to continue going because of the way that the internet is and the way that we can keep perpetuating these scary, like, oh no, there's clowns everywhere and they're ready to kill us and kidnap our children things. Yeah, the internet's very good at going deeper in into existing trends. Mm-hmm. So we're somewhat scared of clowns. Well, good luck. Here- good luck. Here's <laughs> all of the evil clowns that you could possibly want. Yeah, but you know, all of these reasons that we've named why clowns are scary are also reasons why actual clowning is a very beautiful and moving art mm-hmm. where being able to evoke emotion and uh, you know, feeling and plot with your body, laughter and joy. Exactly. It's um, you know, it's a, a way that people can like lose themselves in pure emotion. Mm-hmm. So, definitely no disrespect to our friends who uh, study the very physically intense art of clowning. Yeah, it's impressive. Uh, also, I'm scared of Mike Myers now, so thanks. Uh, you're welcome. So as we embark on the creepiest of months, um, remember, listeners, to stay creepy and stay cool. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.